I'm Jim Calloway. And I'm Sharon Nelson. This is the fifth edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. Today, our topic is talking to yourself. Is speech recognition ready for prime time? Sharon, this is a really interesting topic because I think lawyers and, and perhaps all of us have looked at science fiction movies and other things and seen computers on Star Trek and in 2001, A Space Odyssey, where you could command the computer by your voice, and that certainly sounds a lot easier than pounding a keyboard all day. But digital dictation devices and digital dictation software have really been kind of something that has matured rather slowly. I do know that a lot of lawyers, including including myself, are using these products now, but that's a relatively recent phenomenon, and I don't even think you necessarily agree that, that these tools are ready for prime time. Isn't that right? That's true. I think they're a lot better. There's certainly been a quantum improvement uh, over what they were a few years ago, and I've always wanted to say, be me up, Scotty, and have it happen. <laughs> And I don't know anybody who's ever been in an airport recently who doesn't want to simply be beamed to where they want to go. But these programs, to my mind, are still not very ideal, particularly if you are a good typist. And, and I I'm, I'm, suppose I'm speaking from the viewpoint of somebody who types 90 words a minute with close to 100% accuracy. I can't achieve the same kind of speed using speech recognition technology. In fact, it frustrates me because it does not interpret my voice correctly and my voice is not particularly strange in terms of having a uh, terms of having a heavy accent you know I'm not speaking English as a second language and still it has a lot of trouble Jim so I'm not keen on it and I've noticed that I get a lot of email from you in particular because you like to to use uh, dragon for your email and a lot of times you see the errors and of course you're just chatting between a friend but when you're doing a professional document, you've got a lot of proofreading to do, and it's got to be real careful. I think that's true, and I'm probably come at, at the perspective of somebody who's you know not quite a two-fingered typist, but certainly a, not anywhere 90 words a minute. And so it has been a great tool for me, and, and, and you're correct in that when I'm uh, sending an email to my buddy, I do tend to get a little lazy on the proofreading figure that they can interpret it themselves. But certainly uh, it's an interesting concept, and there's a lot of different tools, but we're going to cover some of them today. But, Sharon, you really uh, just don't, don't buy this yet, huh? <laughs> I don't buy it yet. It, I may one day. I, I spent a bunch of time, I'll talk a little, about that a little bit later, training it, and I just wasn't happy with the results. It was slowing me down. It wasn't speeding me up, and that's the problem. But but for folks like you, that two-fingered typist, I can see why they have a great deal of motivation. But maybe you can take us back to the beginning, Jim, and, and tell us a little bit about the history of all this. Okay, well, again, there have been different types of speech recognition applications around for some time. The early computers that we bought long ago, Windows 3.1, even had little voice recorders and so, some things that text-to-speech and some other things. But essentially, for most of us, it's just been a couple of years where the products seemed to be very useful, and, and we started actually being able to use voice commands and those type of things. So do we want to cover the products now, or did, did you have a story you wanted to share with us? Well, I just wanted to share a story from the last time I think this was brought up at Tech Show was 2002 when we had kind of a, uh, a face-off between products uh, at that time and they were giving demonstrations and I was standing in the back with a group of people 
because it was an overflow crowd. People were so interested in the, this at 2002, and we were watching the program. And I was watching the, the trainer who had worked with this program intensively, and she was speaking, and the program was doing its thing. And you were watching it live, and the program was misconstruing many of her words. It was really kind of not a very good advertisement. So I bumped the guy next to me, and I said, geez, this really isn't ready for prime time. Who in the heck would be using this? And, of course, he turned around, and typical of my wonderful timing, it turned out that he had only one arm. So once again, Sharon strikes, but it, it occurred to me at that moment that I need to be careful who I say these things things too and maybe take a look at the full human being. Clearly this is an enormous advance for people with all kinds of physical handicaps and I think I've seen a lot of lawyers tell me that there's no way they could practice law efficiently without speech recognition. So I'm terribly glad it exists. And I'm also glad it exists for those who really have no typing facility. My primary argument with, with you, Jim, and it's a, a friendly disagreement, is that if you are really a good and accurate typist, this program probably is going to frustrate you more than it's going to help you. Yes, I can understand that point of view, although uh, I think it's a matter of training and motivation. We're going to talk about one product that's in version 9 in just a second, but I remember one Oklahoma lawyer hearing from one Oklahoma lawyer who had mastered it in version 6 or 5 when most of us thought it still wasn't ready for prime time. He had the same disability you refer to, and so he was quite highly motivated to do it. But let's fast forward to Tech Show 2007, where uh, Laura Calloway, uh, the practice management advisor from the Alabama Bar Association and I did a program called Talking to Yourself, Your Voice is Your Assistant. Laura has a very attractive southern accent and uh, the demonstration she did was pretty much flawless and she was to the point of not just using dictation to get text on the uh, screen but also using the voice commands to edit it. So it was a pretty impressive demonstration. So let's talk about a few of the products real quick. The, one of the early speech recognition products, uh, actually then the term they used more was voice recognition, was a product from IBM called Via Voice. And IBM still has a Via Voice product, but theirs is really a different type of thing. They call it embedded Via Voice, and it's not what we lawyers are looking for. But you can go to the local store or do a Google to find Via Voice software. The last time I looked, the Windows Advanced version was about $80, and Via Voice for the Mac OS X was $130. Certainly, it was a product that had its place in the marketplace and was a product that many use, but I don't see many lawyers using it right now. The product that I see everybody raving about now is a product called Dragon Dictate Naturally Speaking Version 9, and this is from a, now offered by a, from a company called Nuance Communications at Nuance.com. Of course, we'll have all these links in the material associated when we post the podcast. I have the professional edition, uh, Jim, and I, I don't like it any better because it's the professional edition, but it, it is a great deal more specific to the, the, the legal uh, product, and it does have a lot more bells and whistles, and that comes you know, 800 to to $1,000 range, but I don't like it any better. Sure. I guess we should talk about uh, one other thing before we move on. Microsoft has a speech recognition engine included in Vista as well. I got a really, some really good feedback on that when it was first announced and some 
friends of mine in the industry actually beta tested and said it looked good. I just haven't taken a look at it because I'm really a Dragon committed user at this point. Dragon does, as you mentioned, come in four versions. It has the standard version, which is $99 for retail, the preferred version, which is 199 and then there is the professional and legal versions that market in the 800 to $1,000 range. And I really, uh, from my point of view, the preferred is definitely the way to go for most lawyers. You hate to spend $1,000 until you're really committed, and for $199, it's worth a try. Certainly, uh, one of the big tips is to get a USB microphone rather than one that plugs into your sound card. And I I will tell you, though, when I was touting this on a listserv, Solo says that really let's only pay the 199 and not pay the 1000 I was taken to task by one lawyer who simply couldn't believe I would say that type of thing. Uh, he definitely thought the $1,000 version for the legal was clearly worth it. And after visiting with him, it turned out that almost all of his dictation was briefs where there were a lot of citations. And so the fact that the legal edition includes an engine that understands citations when you give case citations to him was worth a lot more than $1,000. And, and I can understand that completely. That makes a whole lot of sense to me if you're going to be doing brief work. But for the for the average lawyer, I agree with you. If it's solo small firm, give the thing a try first, you know, buy the preferred version and see if it works for you. It's interesting how you were talking about the, the other products. Uh, Via Voice has really kind of gone away for the most part, uh, and we'll see what happens with Microsoft's technology. But this is kind of a replay of the beta versus VHF-S from so long ago, uh, it doesn't matter which is better. Everybody thought beta was a better technology. Beta lost, and it's, it's gone. So this is this is that scenario all over again. Dragon has the beachhead in a major way, and I think most people find it difficult to think of anybody taking that beachhead away at this point. Um, one one of the problems with it, Jim, that that really troubled me is, is that as we proof ourselves, you see what you expect to see. And that's a problem with Dragon because it's inserting the wrong words that it thinks that it hears rather than misspelling the words or committing typos as we do. It's very difficult for for me to proof my own stuff, which means that my secretary has to proof it. That's not true when I type. The, the preferred version will allow you to replay the sound files or paragraphs that were dictated and listen to them, but it takes the more expensive editions to replay the sound file from an entire document. So if you do want a third party, you want your secretary, for instance, to be able to, to proof your dictated work, you have to have two copies of the more expensive version, one for you and one for the secretary. Um, this was, to me, this was another downside of Dragon because typically uh, my assistants and secretaries don't ever proof my work. I proof it myself, and I found proofing in Dragon to be more difficult than proofing because typically my own stupid errors are the wrong word form, and that's very easy to catch when you proof yourself. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the most important point to uh, for our audience to understand is that when you proof a document, normally there are typos or bad phrases or things that just jump out at you. When you proof a document that's been dictated and it inserts the wrong word, it's going to be a word that is similar sounding, and therefore it's going to 
even look a little bit like the right word. And so when you proof it quickly, it's really easy to zip past that. And, and then when a person reads it, they get some ridiculous interpretation, as you've uh, caught in a couple of my emails. <laughs> well, I remember one. I mean, they're, mostly they're silly. But where, where you wrote, meant to wrote the lion's share, uh, dragon herd, the lion's share. Right. Uh, and it's things like that that you can understand how the software would misinterpret, but it isn't always so easy to catch. And is the secretary necessarily going to catch that, or are they going to think that you use some phrase that they're not familiar with? So <laughs> I, I think it's a. I do think that's a scary proposition, but it, it's working for me a lot, particularly on rough drafts of of long things and books and articles. It is. Although I trained myself years ago to write at the keyboard, uh, it's still nice sometimes to kind of lean back and close your eyes and just talk <laughs> and, and get through the uh, rough outline of things. So so I really do en enjoy that part of, of this change in my professional life. Well, in, in, in my history, way back when, I was a legal secretary, so I was taking all those typing classes for, for girls because girls had to take typing back in those days. And I actually worked for a couple of years in high school as a legal secretary, which is where I hone those skills. And trust me, Jim, I have never regretted that. It might have been very sexist at the time, but it has paid off in spades. I appreciate that <laughs> bit of training. And in fact, uh, my problem was when I took typing class, I was also the yearbook photographer. <laughs> so I was excused to take yearbook pictures. Uh -huh, uh -huh. There's the source of the problem. <laughs> That's it. Let's talk a little bit about the minimum requirements for the system, although uh, I think that those of you who are listening to this podcast and who are experienced technology users know that minimum requirements are rarely anything that uh, you want to be involved in because the minimum requirements are normally what we, not what we want for our operating requirements. But for Dragon, naturally speaking, 9 preferred, a Pentium 4.1 gigahertz processor, 512 megabytes of RAM, a gigabyte of free hard drive space and XP. I can't really speak to the uh, whether it works well with uh, Vista right now, though uh, I've, I've heard a lot of things do and a lot of things don't. Nuance has told me that it works well with Vista. I can't say that. But I, I will tell you my personal story about these requirements is I basically tripled them and moved my computer up from a half a gigabyte of RAM to a gigabyte and a quarter or a gigabyte and a half. And the funny thing was, was after we upgraded to over a gigabyte of RAM, before I even got back to the dictation software, the first thing I noticed was everything ran a lot faster. So that probably wasn't a bad move on several levels. You know, there's never, there's never enough memory. <laughs> Okay. The installation's really e easy and painless. I didn't have any problem with that. It, Training. It's, it, it's so amazing. i I, I got to say that there's almost nothing to say about installation. You throw the disk in, and you follow the commands. I mean, it was it was as simple as pie. That part was just, just not a, a hitch at all. And I didn't think the training was too bad either. The training was about 30 minutes, I thought, to go into it. I actually spent a couple of hours, but, but here's where I have some of my problems again, Jim, is that in spite of the fact that I was determined, determined to master it, there was one particular can't, command, I can't remember which it was, but it was a critical command that it simply refused to recognize, which was making me crazy. But it also was not 
again, recognizing all of my words, it got the vast majority, but not all of them, which was frustrating. One of the things I didn't do that you and Laura mentioned in your article was the program gives you the option of reviewing your writing style by scanning your email and other files, and that takes you know less than 20 minutes, and I can see where that might really improve the accuracy. Uh, that's not one of the things I did, but I thought it was an excellent and much simpler training mechanism. They used to have something ridiculous like AI hours of training. So now that they've got it down to about 30 minutes, it's it's a lot easier to work with. It's interesting, Sharon, that although we talked about this, we, we missed connecting on that. And I will tell you that, that I did have to install it twice because I don't normally keep my documents in my my documents folder, and that's where it goes to look look for them. So I did stop the installation and, and copied uh-huh. over thousands of documents to the my documents folder. And the interesting thing about that was the first time I tried to dictate words that it, you'd think it would have trouble with, like blogs or news feeds, it caught them instantly because it had reviewed all my documents and knew what kinds of words I used. So that that was a, a pretty nice feature. I guess one of the tips I would we probably ought to finish up real quickly with a few quick tips about yeah, how to use it. Yeah, I, th- I think we have just a few minutes left here, so why, why don't we do that? And, and you know, I just one of the things I wanted to get out before we ran out of time was to, to say that judges have told me that their biggest gripe about the use of this program for briefs is that people don't proofread it very well, and it looks sloppier than heck, and that's what they think about when they see the attorney in court. So I have some hesitation about using it, particularly for briefs. Uh, and after that, go. Oh, Jim, I know you want to get your gadgets. Well, I will tell you that one of our local judges, Judge Hogshead from the Tulsa County District Court, has actually been using it with his handheld digital dictation equipment. And even though I thought that probably wouldn't work, he's been getting great results with it. So uh, I uh, tend to use a wired microphone. I've got a headset that works with my phone, but I haven't yet got that where it works the way I want to. But if you have a digital dictation equipment, you can actually reprocess the dictation through the Dragon Dictate, and that was something that could never be done in any prior version. No, that's absolutely true. I want to mention that you need to read the user's guide first. This is one of those things where typically we tend not to use it. We throw it away or we, we just blunder through it and use the help if we need it. But the, using the user's guide here is really helpful to understand what you're up against. And I think I mentioned this before, but I would say using a USB microphone rather than the one that plugs into the sound card is critically important. You just don't need the extra uh, mechanics of the sound card being involved in the process. The USB mic is going to get a lot better results. So don't be a tightwad and, and avoid buying that microphone. And just like you said, get more RAM. Get as much as you can, and the more memory, the better. And that is never more true than when you're dealing with uh, speech recognition. Speaking phrases, not just one word at a time. Laura Calloway said she thinks as, as Dragon is sort of her dog. He probably couldn't understand the Gettysburg Address, but he could do good with short phrases. And I think that's what I learned. If In the old version of the software, you were supposed to dictate individual words, and if you try to do that now, you'll actually get worse recognition than if you just speak in phrases like you do with normal speech. I, I'm still working on getting my single headset configured. I know Narina Petro and I have talked about this several times, but I think ultimately you'll want one headset that works with both your phone and with Dragon so you're not constantly switching back and forth. Absolutely. You want to take care to avoid sending emails by accident, which I understand 
happens fairly frequently with this program. If you happen to say send in the middle of dictating an email, Dragon might do just exactly what it heard and follow it as though it were a command. And if you issue something which appears to be a command which sounds kind of like send, it might send too. So I think it's good advice, as you and Laura recommended, that you don't fill in the to field uh, until, <laughs> until your email is completed, and then you're quite sure that it's not going to go out until you want it to go out. Right. In fact, sometimes if I'm dictating long emails, I've just taken to dictating them within Word and then copying them and pasting them in the email, so I don't have to worry about any of that. That's a good suggestion as well. And, and I think it's also helpful if you correct more than one word at a time uh, so that you get the whole phrase as opposed to trying to go back. It's just going to take you longer to do one word at a time. Better to correct the whole thing. Yes, you need to be careful of checking your microphone, too. Sometimes the microphones get bumped and their volume level or position or things like that will change. I really can only use a headset. I've tried the microphones that work on the table, but the, the distance seems to get me poor recognition. Another thing to be careful of is once you spend all this time training, and one thing they will tell you about the software is that you need to correct by using voice so that the software learns when it makes a mistake, even though the tendency is just to use a quick keystroke to fix the word it's got wrong. But once you start building the speech file, this becomes one of the mission-critical things that you want to make sure is backed up in your office because if you ever have a crash, you don't want to have to go back to training it from the beginning. And so we've included, uh, Laura and I included that in our article, The Past to Find the uh, Speech File so you can save them. Absolutely. Another another tip which is very useful is if you want to correct something, sometimes you actually want to use your mouse too, uh, assuming that you you can do that and are not in some way uh, handicapped. But having the mouse, you can take, for instance, a long title of something, and you can very quickly select all of that, and and then you can you can instruct the program to cap that, as opposed to trying to do it word by word or or using the program to select the whole thing. It it just tends to be faster, so you pick whatever's faster so that you can be more efficient with the program. Absolutely. In fact, I, I think you know you can also sometimes double tri or triple click on a word or paragraph to select the whole thing. So for selecting text, I still like using the mouse or the keyboard. I found myself doing that instinctively, minus reading these tips. I found myself instinctively finding that the mouse sometimes was faster. Well, I do think in conclusion that it really is dependent on several factors whether this works for you. Sharon and I are going to have to agree to disagree, but for me, the, the slow, fumble-fingered typist, the ability to dictate many sentences at one time, and also just the less tiresome I find if I've, if I've set up straight and talked as opposed to pounding the keyboard for hours, I seem to be a little less tired from doing that. So it works for me. On the other hand, the quick-typing former legal secretary may have a different point of view. <laughs> I've been reduced to a secretary again. <laughs> Former legal secretary. Pardon me. <laughs> it's quite all right. You're many hundreds of miles away. I can't get you. <laughs> and, and, Jim, actually, we don't disagree. I think that people like me are probably never going to use that kind of stuff unless, for in, unless they're somewhere and they're using something handheld and they're going to transfer it later, maybe then. Otherwise, I think not. But it is a good program. It's come a long way. And for you fumbled-fingered typists and, and those who need this for, for reasons of physical whatever, I think it's a great program. So we're not really disagreeing, Jim. Not not too bad. It's, it's, it's not really a he said, she said. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to have a modest debate with you, and perhaps one of these days we'll pick a topic on which we vehemently disagree. Uh, ver verbal fisticuffs. I look forward to that. 
That's all, folks, for this edition of the Digital Edge Lawyers and Technology. Thank you for joining us. Goodbye, Miss Sharon. Happy trails, cowboy. <laughs>